Greetings, YouTubers, thrill seekers, small gerbils, and people named Bob. This is Mr. Palumbo, and welcome to the Professor Liberty Podcast. Here at Professor Liberty, we value freedom, and we resist the growth of government because, as we know, studying history, the more the government grows, the more it restricts. There is a direct converse relationship between the growth of government and liberty. Think about it. Think about how society has changed. 50 years ago, what were you able to do that you can't do today? Of course, all these restrictions are meant for your safety and for clean air and for safe whatever. But do we ever question at what cost are we paying for all this safety and so-called societal well-being? Are we really the land of the free at this point? We might be the land of free stuff, but are we really the land of free people? Seriously, I want you to think about it. We still sing the songs, and we still use the common statements about being a free country, but at this point today, how is the United States different from the other social democracies around the world? According to something called the tax wedge, which measures the tax burden on average citizens, the United States is just under the average tax rate for developed nations at 33%. According to worldpopulationreview.com, the United States ranks 15th in the freest countries of the world in 2021. That's right, folks. We're not even in the top 10. The countries with the highest rankings in personal freedom were the Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. The highest countries with economic freedom were Hong Kong and Singapore. I'm saying this to set the table, folks, for this episode, which we're going to call Taxes and Freedom. When we think of liberty, we think of the ability to do something, right? We think liberty is choices. I can live my life. I can do things. I can choose to do things. I can go where I want to go. But we seem to forget that liberty is also about economics. It's a financial thing. Think about taxes. I mean, really think about taxes. Now, I try to personally not think about taxes because I get very angry. But have you ever asked yourself, how much more money does the government really need? There's always a demand for more, more for schools, more for roads, more for programs, more, 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 more. The truth is, folks, taxes outside of what is required is theft. President Calvin Coolidge once said about taxes that, quote, collecting taxes above what is absolutely necessary is legalized theft, unquote, and I am squarely in this camp. The truth is, folks, economic freedom is tied to personal freedom. If the government can tax everything I do, am I free? Also think about it for yourself. Can you live? Can you live for yourself and choose for yourself if the government has the right to take away the fruits of your labor? For those of you behind the Iron Curtain in California, my home state, once the Mecca of California, California was the promised land. They had mountains, beaches, perfect weather year-round. Now, California still has the highest GDP 
in the country. But did you know it also has the highest poverty rate and the most debt? And last year, California lost population for the first time in 50 years. Why do you think that is? Well, the shortest, most concise answer is government. The government in California is a one-party, big government system, very similar to communist China and very similar to socialist countries. You'll notice the more socialist a country, you have two groups. You have the ruling class who are in charge. They're the ones in the mansions. And then you have everyone else who is poor. There is no middle class in a communist country. And California's middle class is disappearing. And Republicans in that state have been systematically rendered pointless. A move and a strategy that Democrats wish to implement nationally, by the way. Listen to this. The average tax burden for a resident in California falls out this way. For top earners in California, so if you're at the top, you're making a lot of money. Your income tax rate for the state is 13%. Total state and local tax burden per capita is $2,000. Now, in economics, per capita means per person. So $2,000 per person, highest in the country. State tax is about 8%. And gasoline tax is about 60 cents. So when you go to the... uh, you know, you go to the uh, gas station, 60 cents of that price just goes to the government. All of these taxes, fees, regulations chip away at a person's income and ultimately lowers their standard of living because by the time a person pays all their taxes, what do they have left? We haven't even paid for housing yet. We haven't even paid for food yet. Your burden to the government through taxes is so much that your pie at the end of the day, that piece of pie you have left is even smaller for the necessities of life. So I'd like to try to do something. This isn't, you know, this isn't very scientific. I don't know how accurate it is, but I want to break it down this way. Say you made a hundred bucks. Okay. So you're living in California and you made a hundred bucks. Now, we're not even going to get to the federal level. We're just talking about California right now. Okay, so I made 100 bucks in California. $87 I would have left after I paid the state tax if I was the top earner. Okay, now let's say I wanted to buy something at the store. Now I have $87. I made 100. Now I have 87. And I want to buy some sneakers at the store. Well, the sneakers are $30. Well, we got to add sales tax to that. So it's really $32.4. So after that, so I have, I have, I got a job, I got paid, and all I've done is paid state tax, and I bought a pair of sneakers. Boys and girls, I have $54.6 left. That's just over half of my $100 that I started with. And I haven't even paid for groceries. I haven't even paid for gasoline. I haven't even paid for all the taxes and regulations that nickel and dime us into poverty. Now, let's take the the same scenario and compare it to the state of Nevada right next door, uh, the state I currently live in. Okay, so you make 100 bucks. Okay, well, check this out. Nevada has no income tax. Now, this is something the Democrats want to change. But right now, they have no income tax. So I still have $100. Now, say I go buy the sneakers. 
I pay $30. Well, the state sales tax is 4.5%. So I paid $31.45. I have $68.55 left over. I made the same money as I made in California. I live in two different states. I bought the same pair of shoes. There's a $14 difference. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but go ahead and multiply that by 20, 30, or even 50. It really adds up, folks. Now, I was discussing this with my wife, and she said that the Nevada sales tax has just gone up. Not a big surprise with Democrats in charge, but I checked more than one place, and I'm just going to keep those numbers as they are. Why does California have a homeless problem and high costs? It's because they have a government problem. And the average Joe working in that state is paying the price, pun intended. How does this affect freedom? Well, that's a good question. We can't ignore the idea that taxing someone's labor is related to the concept of slavery. Now, there's a lot of debate on this issue, but let me ask you this. If a government can take 5, 10, even 30% of what you earn, what's stopping them from taking it all? Did you know at one point, top earners in this country paid 90% of their income? If the government is taking nearly all your income, how are you not like a slave? Did you know that back in slavery times, some of the southern plantation owners, yeah, sure, they'd let their slaves earn a couple bucks here and there. They'd let their slaves have a little private garden for their own food, right? How is that different than having a 30, 40, 50, 60% of your income taken away? This argument is called percentage of ownership. Namely, how much of yourself and your labor do you own? Stephen Yates, in his article, Is Income Tax a Form of Slavery?, writes, We submit that forcible taxation on your personal income makes you a partial slave. For if you are legally bound to hand a certain percentage of your income, the fruits of your labor, over to federal, state, and local governments, then from the legal standpoint, you only have some percentage of over, excuse me, ownership of your person and your labor. The pivotal point is whether or not ownership is ceded through a voluntary contract. Have you any recollection of signing a deal with the IRS promising them payments from part of your income? If not, then if 30% of your income is paid in income taxes, then you have only 70% ownership of your labor. You are a slave from January through April, a very conservative estimate at best today. So what he's talking about there is the average American pays, uh, you know, if you take 12 months out of the year, the average American works four to five months of the year just to pay their tax burden. Uh, Mr. Palumbo, uh, Mr. Palumbo, can I talk to you, Mr. Palumbo? Now, I'm sure you know, Mr. Palumbo, I've been in your class a few times. I'm sure you know, uh, you know, that there's uh, amendments. I think it's, wait, it's, it's uh, 1, 13, 14, 15. Uh, it's the 16th Amendment, Mr. Palumbo, that gives authority to the government uh, to tax people's incomes. Well, that's true, and we can appreciate at least... Back then, they went through legal channels to make that possible. Unlike today, where they just pass unconstitutional laws like Obamacare without any reference to the Constitution. And don't forget, the Supreme Court changed the law to, you know, so they could cite that it was legal, citing that Obamacare was a tax. Hmm. 
So no 16th Amendment, no Obamacare. Yates, however, argues that the 16th Amendment, which allows federal income tax, is in conflict with the 13th Amendment, which forbids slavery. He writes, quote, The 13th Amendment makes it very clear that we cannot legally or be constitutionally forced into involuntary servitude. As such, we maintain that a human being has an inalienable right to own 100% of person and 100% of labor including control over how the fruits of his actions are dispensed. A human being has an inalienable right to control the compensation for his labor while in the act of any service in the marketplace. For example, digging ditches, flipping burgers, word processing documents for a company, programming computers, preparing court cases, performing surgery, preaching sermons, or writing novels. A forcible direct tax on labor of a human being is in violation of this right, as stated in the 13th Amendment. If we work 40 hours a week and another ent entity forcibly conscripts 25% of our compensation, then we argue that we have been forced into involuntary servitude, slavery, for 10 of those 40 hours, and we are free for the other 30. If we could freely choose to work just 30 hours and decline to work the 10, then our wills would not be violated and the 13th Amendment would be honored, unquote. Now, some of you guys are going to say, this is a little bit extreme, Mr. Palumbo. Come on, Mr. Palumbo, you might say, we need taxes for roads and police and so on. Okay, fine. I'm not arguing against any of that. But once you open the door... The law on the books always metastasizes. Always. You show me a law and I will show you if it's so many years old, it has changed. Social Security today isn't what it was when it, when it passed, right? Medicare today isn't what it was. So Medicare used to be just for seniors. But we're, we're only a few more years away from Medicare for all. Well, that wasn't the original intention, was it? So any, every time, the, the, every time, here's a lesson, here's a little side lesson. Every time you give the government power, it is always going to evolve into something else. Look at the Patriot Act. That was supposed to be to keep us safe from terrorism, and now we have warrantless surveillance of Americans. So I think we really got to be careful what we allow the government to do. But back to this idea of, laws metastasizing. Did you know the original income tax law passed had only two brackets? 1% for lower income earners and 7% for higher income earners. That's it. Today, today there are seven brackets, 37 being the highest and 10% being the lowest. Now this is just federal, but there's also inheritance tax. There's capital gains tax. Basically, any labor or idea that you come up with, not the government, you, any idea you have, any money-making scheme you do can and will be taxed. Say you, you, uh, you win the, uh, the home run ball. You catch the home run ball in the World Series, and it's a piece of history, and you get it autographed. Right. You take the time to the, the famous baseball player. You if you try to sell that, you have to pay a tax. Does that sound like you're free? Does that sound like a free citizen to you? 
Everything you do, every choice you make is probably taxed or regulated in some way. That sounds like slavery to me. This wasn't always the case. And uh, Jacob, I'm going to get his name, Jacob Hornsberger, contributor of the Future of Freedom Foundation, writes, Except for a brief period during the Civil War, the income tax was not a part of America's governmental system for some 125 years. That's because our American ancestors understood that if the federal government had the authority to tax incomes, the American people would not be free. They understood that a free society necessarily entails the right of a person to keep everything they earn without fear that the government can seize any portion of it. Moreover, our American ancestors rejected the welfare state that the income tax funds. Imagine more than a century of American life without Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, farm subsidies, welfare, corporate bailouts, FDIC, the Federal Reserve, fiat money, foreign aid, drug laws, immigration controls, economic regulations, public schooling, national security establishment, the military-industrial complex, foreign military bases, regime, regime change operations, coups, invasions, occupations, secret surveillance, torture, assassinations, the Pentagon, the CIA, the NSA. This is still Harnsberger talking, by the way. That is what it once meant to be an American. That is what it once meant to be free. That is what it once meant to be exceptional. Not anymore. Today, the United States, with its welfare state and regulated economy, is just like every other country in the world, with its welfare state. The American people now live under a government that wields power that are inherent to totalitarian regimes. And it's all funded by a federal income tax, a tax whose collection is enforced by one of the most powerful and tyrannical agencies in history. I love this guy. The Internal Revenue Service, an agency that has the power to directly seize people's assets with no judicial process whatsoever, unquote. Now, that was a long quote, but I really wanted to give you the flavor because I think Mr. Hornsberger really hit it out of the park with that. And uh, I'd like to make this point, this other point that the author alludes to about, about how income tax creates the means for a nearly unstoppable government expansion, okay? If you look at states with the highest social programs or the most social programs and the most subsequent debt, they're also states with the highest tax rates. States with no income tax are naturally confined. Let me say that again. States with no income taxes are naturally forced to be small and to be smarter with their money if governments could do such a thing. When, we can, when they can only spend what they can generate through other means, uh, they have to make wiser decisions and their budgets are smaller and they're not running around like drunken sailors spending all of your and my hard-earned money. I've lived in two states with no income tax. 
Alaska and Nevada. Both states, to the chagrin of the big government spenders, have to make tough budget decisions because they are constrained, as they should be. Now, what always gets me really mad, what's always, what always gets my goat when we're talking about taxes, is when you hear about how wasteful government is with the spending. Government spends millions, wastes millions of dollars. And I got this off the internet. Ready? Here's a list. This is just from the COVID relief bill, the so-called COVID relief bill, right? $1.3 million is going to go to study whether people will eat ground-up bugs. $36 million will go to ask why stress makes people's hair turn gray. $1.74 million will go to persuade Eastern Mediterranean youth to stop smoking hookah. $6.9 million will go to cancer research money to create a smart toilet. I, I mean, I almost, can't, I almost can't get through this without a straight face. $1.24 million is going to reduce the amount of time adults spend watching TV. 896000 let's just say 900000 Hey, let's just pretend we're in the government. We'll round it up. It's not our money. 900000 is to give cigarettes to adolescents. 3.45 million will spend on sending messages to mothers to encourage their teenage daughters to stop indoor tanning. Very important. 2 million dollars are going to go to test whether using hot tubs can lower stress. All of this waste comes from the COVID relief bill of 2020, which, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, was passed by a Republican president and a Republican Senate. So, so much for the small government party. Doesn't this infuriate you? I mean, this just, you want to get me fired up. You take my money. I'm the one getting up in the morning going to work. I have bills to pay. And you get to take my money without, I can't do anything about it. And you get to waste it on this crap. Money I could have used and you could have used to feed our kids, buy a nicer car, save for retirement. Money you worked for and I worked for. You get up early, like I said, I got up early. And the sweat of your brow, you earned this money and the government takes it and wastes it to study how hot tubs lower stress. So again, I'm going to ask, are we truly the land of the free? Are you and I truly free? If our government has complete control over the fruits of our labor, just like the southern planters had over their slaves, doesn't that mean we're kind of slaves too? If the average American has to work four or five months out of the year just to cover taxes, are they free? So what can we do about this? I want to leave you guys, you know, I always try to, this is a teaching podcast. This is an education podcast. So I wanted to throw some things we could do out there to maybe change some of this. Now, this isn't going to change the political landscape overnight. Uh, but here's some things we can do uh, to try to change this. First, don't elect big government politicians from either party. Just don't do it. Don't listen to what they say. Don't listen to the stupid pandering commercials 
Look at their votes. How they vote is how they're going to govern. I'm going to do a podcast on this. I just haven't done it yet. But forget about the personality. Oh, he talks so well, and he's so articulate, and he gives me warm fuzzies. No, that is pointless. He can give you a warm fuzzy to get your vote, and then he's just going to take all your money. So don't elect big government politicians. Second, demand fiscal responsibility. And the only way we're going to do that is to cut the infinite supply of money, force governments, state and federal, to make tough decisions and actually govern by budgeting. That's what you're there for. The best way we can do this are balanced budget amendments and abolishing income taxes. Nearly impossible feats, I know, but that's what has to be done. Finally, we can support the Convention of States. Washington, D.C. will never contain itself or constrain itself. And it's only, this is the only legal nonviolent path we have left. And it's with the Article 5 Convention of States. It's in the Constitution. States need to take some of their sovereignty back. If you want to know more about this, go to conventionofstates.com for more information. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you're not fired up and yelling at people now because I know taxes really irritates me. So if it irritates me, I'm sure it irritates you. But we got to know this. You work hard every day. Stop giving your money away to these people who are wasting it and in some cases filling their own pockets. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to email the show, the email is ProfessorLiberty1776 at gmail.com. You can also send me messages on Facebook. You can follow me on Parlor, And you can look up lessons and activities that that I provide on TeachersPayTeachers.com. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim... Liberty.